Puget Sand. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Oh, hello, John. John, when did you come in? Didn't see you there. <laughs> now, if we only had our resident curmudgeon, the guy who keeps us grounded in so many ways. Hello. Like that third prong on the electrical plug. That's, that's our right. Mike. That's Michael, right? Keeping us grounded in all Keeping sorts of ways. We are, as a collective, uh, as they used to say in the old Soviet Union, uh, Team Vintage Sand. And we are here with episode 12. Holy goodness, we made it to episode 12. Of um, Even Dozen. An Even Dozen. I find it a good sign. Next one will be Baker's Dozen, but more about that later. And we are, uh, as I've said throughout, um, we, we claim no great expertise in film. Although, guys... I do want to point out, did you did you see the thing in the Times, the review about this new book by uh, Brian Raftery called 1999, Best Movie Year yes. Ever? And I was like, son of a bitch. He poached episode two and, <laughs> no, episode three and episode five. Yes. Right? Because episode three is about the generation of 99, go back and listen, because it's so good. And episode five is about our favorite years in movie history. That's right. and I, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, so, you know, Brian, after you do whatever you have to do, but I'm sure he got all his ideas from us. So, <coughs> today's uh, subject, unusually, uh, is comedy. Uh, it's something we don't talk about, and I, you know, I have a very English teacher approach to this. I remember one, one, one year I was teaching seniors, and I taught in a row um, The Stranger by Camus, Inferno, Hamlet, and Beloved. So, oh, that sounds like a fun class. Right, so an ex-slave murdering her child when they come to get her was the happy part of the, of the year. And my, my kid said, what is it with you English teachers? Are you, are, what is your problem? Is there like serious depression? I mean, do you need to see somebody? And I said, no, because tragedy is universal. Unfortunately, yes. everyone understands tragedy. Everyone can relate to tragedy, but there is nothing more painfully subjective than comedy. Have you guys I, had this? I would agree. I, I, I'm going to talk later a little bit about my dad who just passed away, but you know, my dad and mom would sit me down and they'd say, you have to watch this movie. It's the funniest movie ever. And, right? and I'd sit down and they'd be laughing and you know, slapping each other's knees and I'd be not even cracking a smile. I mean, there's nothing worse, and I can tell you as a teacher, there's nothing worse than teaching comedy. I don't even teach any comic novels. It's, yeah, well, it's comedy not. is very subjective, and it's also uh, very generational. Right, and let me tell you, there is no, and that's an important point we may have to make later, Michael, as we try to sort this all out. But um, the the fact is that. Um, even teaching Shakespearean comedy. We do teach Midsummer Night's Dream in eighth grade, but there's one standing there and you get it? It's wordplay. Huh? Huh? <laughs> there's nothing worse than explaining jokes. Even Shakespearean exactly. jokes. Exactly. <laughs> if it's Shakespeare and they have to keep thinking about it, what is he trying to say? What does it mean or whatever? Then it takes the humor out of it for them. Yeah, so it's, it's so it's very hard. And when I taught my film classes, a lot of the classes were, you know, it was great. So you've got Grapes of Wrath over here. So I opened with that, and it just got happier from there. Um, but um, the... <laughs> wow. <laughs> where there, wherever there's a guy teaching comedy and doing a podcast... <laughs> I'll be there. Mom. I'll be there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I, I did. It was interesting. So, I, you know, I would try to show... Not a little joke, but a big joke. <laughs> exactly. One, we're all part of one <laughs> big joke. joke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My God, I love that movie, though. Eh? Um, I, I, you know, I would try to show comedy from the 30s. Even the Marx Brothers 
would get nothing because they didn't understand Groucho, they didn't really appreciate Harpo, and accent humor just ain't funny anymore. So I'm left with Zeppo. So that went nowhere. <laughs> and you know, if I tried to do, I'm, I'm surprised some of some of them didn't at least like some of the Marx Brothers. Yeah, yeah not even Duck Soup. It was a tough sell. It was a t- because it was too fast for them. Interesting. And you know, the verbal Robin stuff Williams was, was fast. Yeah, but that was also forty years ago now. Well, yeah, but he only died a few years ago. Well, but he, you know, in his golden age of stand-up, when we got to know him and yeah. doing more yeah. and Mindy and things like that, you know. But when his stand-up was amazing. Is who's, that, who's that fast these days now? Yeah, that's true. So, I, I mean, that's, you know, that's going to be one of our theories. But um, then, you know, 40s and 50s comedy... I try six. We, have to, we may have to like dip into the '60s because there aren't a lot of great American. There comic aren't a lot of good comedies in the '50s and '60s, except Wilder. Let's put Wilder aside because yeah. he's yes. his own. Yeah, but and, during and the give, '50s and '60s, there are not that many good comedies. No, that's '30s the ones and have aged '40s, well. '30s and '40s, yes, and some of them have aged very well. Right, I'll throw Sturgis in there. I'll throw Absolutely. you know Howard Hawks's comedy, oh my like God. Ball oh, of Fire, yeah. and His Girl Friday, and things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, my. Three favorite comedies. I uh, right away I can say uh, some like it hot. Uh, yep. His girl Friday. Absolutely. And bringing up baby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And I think and they and they have aged very well. Yes. For people our age, but, but most. But I know that some people might watch something like bringing up baby and go, I don't get it. Right. Yeah. Actually, I know people in my generation who don't like bringing no, up. No, no, I know. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean. When so I'm has, old, it goes back to the fact that, that comedy can be very yeah. subjective. So, but then when I when I was I was born in '65. So when I was in high school, you had you know Saturday not, not Saturday Night Live came on when I was ten, mm-hmm. and you had that first wave of Saturday Night Live comedians and that great run of you know Bill Murray, Chevy Chase. Um, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. You know, you had you know and Animal Lushy. House and, and Gilda Radner. Oh yeah, and, and Gilda Radner. Radner. Let's not forget the women. No, but their film work was not. <laughs> no, not as good. No, but I mean, you had. Well, I don't consider Chevy Chase's film work to be. Well, no, his film, but I mean, uh, I don't consider him very funny. Actually. Vacation. I when I was eighteen, I thought Vacation was hilarious. See the first one. I've never seen. Um, it. <laughs> Stripes, Meatballs, you know, yeah. uh, Ghostbusters, all of, all of those films. Plus, you had the Zucker Abraham Zucker crew doing, you know, especially with Airplane. Airplane, airplane is by far, the yeah. first one Which, was by far the, the best funniest. Which is still, yes, of any movie hilarious. I've seen, if I could, if you ask me, Josh, what movie that you've seen do you wish you'd made? It's still Airplane. After, after you know, and I saw it when I was 15, and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Even Mel Brooks was still doing funny stuff. Yes. Woody Allen was doing very, you know, yes. very sophisticated vein. There was even, in the early 80s... When I was in college, Mel Brooks was really big. I mean, Blazing yeah, Saddles and, and Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Right. The same year. Yeah. But, you know, I have fond, even fond memories of things like History of the World and, and uh, Spaceballs, even though they were much more uneven. But there are still <laughs> yeah. good Mel Brooks moments, unlike his... Unlike his men in tights period, um, and uh, and then um, you also even that period had kind of like you know gender role throwback almost throwbacks to um, to thirty style comedy like Victor Victoria like Tootsie. yeah I like Victor Victoria is, is really a very good. very good right? movie it really is good and yeah. especially Trading Places 
it, yeah. it is structured. I mean, you, you know, there you have Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy, you know, yeah. for a reason. I mean, yeah. it's so beautifully, classically, it's structured like Bringing Up Baby or His Girl Friday or one of those comedies. And then you had Eddie Murphy and, you know, Coming to America and some of those good comedies. In the 90s, it was kind of, um, I associate the 90s with um, rom-coms. I mean, that's, you know, Hugh Grant's decade, you know, yes. starting starting yeah. with, you know, Pretty Pretty Woman, although, you know, the funniest movie ever made about prostitution, you must say that. Uh, <laughs> well, that's see, probably true. See, fun. And I, you get to marry Richard Gere. And romantic. See? <laughs> yeah, uh, well. This I'm this shaking is, my head. Uh, sweet. Yes, Michael. <laughs> if we could cue the visual, it would be of Michael shaking his head. But, and I've yeah. not seen the musical Pretty Woman either. You, you and almost everybody else hasn't seen it. Had the misfortune of seeing Tootsie the musical. Well, I'm going anyway because I love Santino Fontana because he's on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is my favorite show. Then you'll love it. All right. So, no, I probably won't. But uh, I mean, I saw the number on the Tonys. It was kind of yeah. <laughs> Actually, like the number from Beetlejuice better. The woman who plays the Terry Gar part is good. very, very funny so, and very good. And then, kind of unexpectedly, in the OOS, you have a whole raft of comedies that. Um, maybe didn't do amazingly well when they came out, but are on TV all the time. I mean, where do I begin? I've got, first you start with the Judd Apatow um, group. Yeah. You know, 40-year-old virgin, knocked up. The first hour of Superbad is as funny as anything I've ever seen. It kind of goes off the rails a little bit. Yeah, and yeah then, Superbad I like. I 40-year-old virgin I love. Love. That's I think that's Judd Apatow's best. By far, I yeah, think that's I think his it's, best movie. I think it's Knocked H. up, it just... I, yeah, I don't buy Knocked Up. I don't I buy the premise. I don't think it works. Well, as the short, chubby, fat guy. No, not... kind of rooting for Seth Rogen there. Not that. The, <laughs> well, I don't buy the fact that that woman, that career woman, would have a baby just on a one-night stand. I just... Well, it was hard to even believe she would have a one-night stand with him. Yeah. She was... She's, I mean... She was the kind of woman walk into a bar and like fifty guys would like walk right, right up to her and hit on and her. And why Rogan? It's yeah. like so. And this is the guy you choose. So, but but some of the other ones from that period that are just shown over and over and over and over on TV. Um, Wedding Crashers, um, Edgar Wright's films, uh, Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead. Those are good, right? Those Legal, are good legally movies. Blonde. I mean, is there a movie besides Shawshank that's shown as often as Legally Blonde? Yeah, it is. The first one is funny. Is the first one is it's good. okay. It's good. <laughs> um, Wedding I, Crashers, I think, is very funny, very good, and then about maybe halfway or so. It kind of turns and becomes kind of preachy, right? Well, that's yeah, that's always the danger. And but you have um, what else? Harold the Harold and Kumar. The first first yes. one is very the first one, first one was funny. Um, Elf, Mean Girls, uh, Juno, Mean um, Girls, Mean Girls. I don't really consider a comedy. I think it's more of a dramedy. All right. I think I think it's more of a drama with with humor in it because a lot of it really is not funny at I all. I saw it on an airplane. I didn't laugh much. Which brings <laughs> up which brings up another issue. Have you noticed how many teen movies with the teenagers? They're so mean to each other. Uh, it gets gets worse and worse. And welcome worse. to my job. <laughs> I was going to ask you about this because I but just I, don't but remember. I have an answer for you. But too. I don't I don't remember people being so mean to each other. I have a complete answer for you because it is it, social I, as media. I always say it, it's social media and it's also the economy because that is why the parents are so anxious and on edge and you get these scandals about people cheating to get into college. It really feels like it's it's eat or be eaten. 
there's a sense of competition, yeah. and you're either going to land on one side of that divide or not. And you may have to step on people to make sure that you're the one who ends up on the right side of that line. And I, I directly tied, Michael, I think you're absolutely right, because now with social media, all the bullying that you saw growing oh, the, up oh, now oh can be God. done anonymously yeah. and repeatedly. And quietly. And, and Instantly spread to millions of people. Yeah. You drop something. And in you don't. The, you don't have to face the person in person. Exactly. To bully them or whatever. So yeah. Well, that's. that's I mean, that's you should a, see the things they say about you two behind your back. That's, yeah. Well, I know. It's really. I write my most of it, but you know, I don't worry. Josh and I will message each other right afterwards to talk about you. Imagine. Um, so what? What Anchorman is from that period? Borat, which I think well, I use Borat to teach satire. Because, mm. you know, so much, everyone, the wonderful thing about Borat is Candide. I mean, he goes around yeah. playing it absolutely straight and lets people walk into these traps. Right. I mean, right. it's a very problematic film, but, uh, but it's a great example, like when I'm teaching um, um, Swift or, or something like For that. For satire, uh, you should uh, teach uh, In the Loop. If you, it's the first... Um, yeah. Well, Death of Stalin, I think, is and or Death of Stalin, but, Death but of Stalin you've never seen in the loop. Excellent. I've never seen it. That's the first of uh, what's the Iraq War. Yeah, so it's you, a comedy about the Iraq War and how we got into it, which basically. Is the, which is not funny, but no, this is but a, it's the same guy who uh, show on a beep. Um, I thought, you know. I hope my wife is not listening. I thought Tropic Thunder was hilarious, especially Robert Downey. I thought he was funny, he was, and I thought Nick Nolte was funny. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought Nick Nolte was great in it. It was almost as if nobody told him it's a comedy. But the rest <laughs> of them... Because he, he created a real character and played it straight throughout the whole movie, and every moment he's in, he makes it funnier because he keeps playing it straight and real. But the rest of them I didn't think was funny, and I thought Tom Cruise was painfully bad. Painfully bad. No, yeah, yeah but... but and, and it was one of those mo it movies... Has Moments where it's like moments dead, that are very, it's dead, very it's funny. dead, and then whenever Robert Downey oh, he was brilliant, yeah. electrifies. Yeah. He deserved his and Oscar nomination yeah, for that. I, I kind of wish he'd won. Offensive in so many ways, yeah. but the dis uh, the disability <laughs> community does not love that whole monologue he gives about going full retard. So, but we'll we'll leave, we'll leave that one go. Um, and what else? Um, Anchorman, which which plays all Zoolander, you know, all those Will Ferrell films. Um, the last two great Christopher Guest and his crew, um, yeah. Mighty Wind and yeah. Best in Show, were Best both. In best, in show. best in Show is, is the best one. Is the best by far. I also like Waiting for Guffman very much. That was early. That was nineties, but that yeah, 90s, I mean, okay. and, and Spinal Tap, which was eighties, yeah. but absolutely. Um, you, you want to throw in, um, you know, a film like Adaptation, you know, which is only in name a comedy. Um, yeah. And or or um, I mean I like the movie a lot. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I but don't I, know if I would call it. Eternal Sunshine. It's, 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 I wouldn't call that. I think that is one of the best movies. Of, but not a comedy. Oh, I agree. Of the arts, but, but uh, oh, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, spotless. Oh, are people? I know there are people who consider that a comedy. I don't know why. Um, I mean, there's <laughs> there's it's because it's so crazy, maybe. But and, it's it's, but it's it's essentially extremely sad. Yeah. Yes. And then there's The Hangover, which is still funny, the first I one. I love the first right? one. Which was I 09. saw no reason for the second and third, mm. and I didn't money, see money, it. Money, 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 no, money, money. No, but I mean, the pro premise of, yeah. of The Hangover is you don't see what happens. He's just talked about. How can they make a sequel of that? And I, from what I heard, there, it was I, terrible. I, I made it halfway through the second one. Yeah, I, I, hear, I hear they're both... Uh, um, yeah. The... Uh, 
two uh, two good uh, Nick Hornby comedies. High Fidelity was uh, was double O, and um, About a Boy I think was a one or a two. So once again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call. I'd call it a comedy drama. Both I, I think it's more of a drama with some humor in it. Yeah. Some humor in it. And um, but but you're not wrong in, in referring to it as a comedy because I bet if you if there were video stores existing now, oh, you sure. went there, I put it. I'm sure they would have it in the comedy. I section. probably would put it there too. That's a real. That's a good way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Where would where would you categorize it? It was just like Balker. Oh, oh. <laughs> the fights. Don't give away the code. Oh, the fights we had. The fights we had. Um, we still never uh, with, that's our ended first, our argument about Nashville. Our first dropped clue about um, <laughs> about where the five nines and the four productions comes from, <laughs> but a subtle hint. No, but I remember you know sitting there for a whole morning figuring out where to where to put um, Eraserhead. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> what, what, put that into that one, one category. That, yes, that needed its own category. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always I when someone asks me what's that about, I say, well, imagine having a girlfriend and you're going to meet. Her parents for the first time, but it's a horror movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Begin. <laughs> yes, and we can improv this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and we haven't even mentioned um, the the film that I think is you know, it was a terrible disaster when it came out, as most of Mike Judge's films are, and then everyone catches on to how great they are. It happened with Office Space back in '99. Office and, Space is really oh good. God. Yeah. I mean, I, as a as a uh, administrator, I completely model my Self on Gary Cole and Bill Lumberg in that film. I like. I walk up to my guys and say, "Yeah, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday." Sometimes the Cohen brothers yeah, make, yeah. make funny movies. Straight. Well, yeah. I mean, I get. Well, yeah, definitely Big Lebowski. Lebo- I know that 90s, was nineties. Right. So, but and the last one I'm going to mention, the Mike Judge film I was going to mention, is Idiocracy. Idiocracy sold about five tickets when it came out, and I think it, I saw it. I. It is the most incredibly prophetic film I've ever seen. It. It's Luke Wilson. And I think it's my Rudolph play um, characters that are frozen in time as an experiment by the army in, in, in the early 2000s. Everyone forgets about them. They wake up 400 years later and no one knows how to do anything. There's, and the, the president is a former TV reality star wrestler and no one knows how to grow crops or get rid of the garbage or anything. And he ends up sort of, it's, you're just like, nah, this could never happen. I well, don't think I'd find it funny. Yeah, it only took 20 years instead of 400. That's the only place my judge was wrong. So I recommend that to those who have. It was again, it didn't sell a dime's worth of tickets when it came out. But so we've just spent the last. Well, what, you know, when bringing up baby came out, it oh, well, it, it tanked. tanked. Yeah, it tanked. Well, that's that's been. It our, almost destroyed her career. That's been our bugbear for a long time. The whole, you know, we love the films that. That, that that don't do well when they come out. Um, so we've just spent the last 10 minutes just listening and talking about great comedies from the OOs. And now we come to the heart of today's today's. Well, I think, well, discussion. within the last 10 years, though, I think there have been good comedies. All right, Maybe so wait, not so, as many, but there have been good ones. So we hereby then, by long introduction, introduce episode 12, which uh, I humbly call Trainwreck, or whatever happened to live action film comedy? Because if you look at so where let's let's set the ground rules. 
We're not talking about animated comedy because it's a good as, point because a lot, still out there, because a good. lot of the a lot there's a lot of good comedic writing that's going into animated films. Right, and I'm also ruling out action comedies, uh, which you know I don't think I laughed harder in any movie than the first Deadpool movie this decade. Uh, the Thor Ragnarok, the third Thor film, is hilarious too. But was it supposed we're, to be we're, funny? We're kind of yes, no. It was meant to be oh, okay. uh, sort of a parody, a superhero film that's a parody of superhero films. Oh, I didn't it's, know it's that. It's unexpectedly smart. I was going to um, say because yeah. There are some very good action-oriented comedies. So we're just, but what we're talking about is almost I, I, all the films. I listed them. <laughs> almost all the films we mentioned going back to the 30s. And by the way, I want to add here that the one kind of comedy that my high school students did like was silent comedy. Was 20s. They loved Chaplin. They really liked Keaton, and they even liked Lloyd because that they could relate to. There was no, there was no, no dialogue. Right, there was no dialogue, and and the setups were brilliant, and the payoffs of the gags and the topper of the topper of the topper were were brilliant. Interesting. And so that they kind of liked, and so we're, but we're talking about just comedies that are based on you know good dialogue, good situations, good jokes and and setups and. You know, I'd be hard-pressed. You know, in fact, uh, I, it's unfair to call the episode Trainwreck. It's just sort of a general comment because if you take away uh, Melissa McCarthy and Amy Schumer, you really have nothing. Because, you know, we were to, I, I, think that, I think we all agree that the funniest sort of classic comedy of this decade was Spot. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think I would agree. And I, I, I would run Bridesmaids a very close second. Eh, I'm not as crazy about either am I. And actually, actually, that year, 2011, I know that you're not crazy about it. I know you like it. Midnight in Paris came out. The Woody Allen, which I love. Yeah, it's I, it's an I, amusing. I wouldn't call it a, a, a well, side-splitting comedy. No, no, because it's the whole because it's about it's it's very romantic. Yeah, but it's romantic in the sense of going back and visiting all yeah. these historical figures and, and in a romantic way. Well, I it. love not, the ending. We're not really seeing them as they really were. Right. It's a romanticized version of all. No, the and I love people. the fact that when they when they go back to the twenties, all everyone in the twenties wants to do is be back in the eighteen nineties yeah. in the Belle Epoque, which was a lovely and brilliant Woody Allen touch. But and that same year, Harbor Bosses came out, which I think is very funny. It's, yeah, it's right. pretty funny. It's okay. Better than the second one. Um, oh, yeah. No. The second I, did you guys like Trainwreck? Not particularly. No. Her other I didn't th- even think it was that funny. I thought, See, that, I I thought laughed, essentially it was very sad. I laughed my ass off. I thought, there were, I thought there was humor. It was a very thought, successful film. I thought, but I thought essentially the story was really sad. But she, well, it's, but You could almost call it a dramedy. Yeah, there's definitely dramatic moments, but I loved Bill Hader in it. I loved I loved LeBron James. LeBron James shows up and does some very funny things. Yeah, in there. there's a funny aspects of it. I I just but Amy her, Schumer is somebody I don't get. Well, her other two films. Oh, the one she did with Goldie like Hawn. Atrocious. Was was, I mean, was god awful. Oh, and then oh, the oh. I Feel Pretty was on my ten worst list from last year. So um, I mean, you 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 could throw like more serious. Comedies in there, like and maybe uh, twenty ten. The kids are all right. Came in. I wouldn't even call that. Yeah, a, yeah but it's but most. It's generally listed as a comedy. I, right. I, think, no, but, it's, but I think it's more of a comedy, comedy drama. But yeah. try to when you when we're comparing this, try to think about the, the laughter that you heard in Blazing Saddles or yeah. Young uh, Frankenstein well, or Airplane or Animal House or Ghostbusters or, or films like that. And you, there are really so few. I mean, good serious comedies like her. 
I mean, you know, I think her sort of sort of qualifies as a comedy. A comedy uh... If you were shelving it in Kim's, Mike, where would you shelve it? And if you don't know what Kim's is, shame on you. Move to New York. Um, I'd call it her, a drama. I'd put it as a drama. I'd put it as a drama. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I, I love her. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I one think of it's, the best I think movies it's of the decade. Absolutely. I think it's an excellent Stay movie, tuned for December when we do <laughs> the best movies of the decade. A little sneak preview there. Um, what about... Um, uh, what I about? Liked, uh, there, I mean, there are other comedies. They're not. A, they're not a lot. There are comedies that I liked from the past decade, but there aren't a lot. What about Grand Hotel Budapest? I I, was, I liked it a lot. I was disappointed. In but that. I don't. I love. I, I usually don't like Wes Anderson that much, and I loved it. But again, a comedy. Well, I, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of humor in it, but it does, it turns slowly towards the end and becomes darker and darker. Mm-hmm. And dark. Well, I mean. As and, most of these films and, do. Right. Yeah. So not a, not a straight up comedy. Uh, John, I don't think you, Michael and I just saw Booksmart, uh, Olivia Wilde's film. Which I which absolutely I have, love. I, I might put yet. up there on the list. But I, again, another, isn't it so interesting that women, it's so funny, Michael, that you said in the first wave of SNLers that they got, they, that Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, Gilda mm-hmm. Radner did not do great work in film. No. Whereas almost, most of the they better comedies. They were really chance. So that Jane yeah. Curtin, I think, was, was writing. Well, Gilda Radner was yeah. in a couple of really bad films with Gene Wilder. Wilder and, uh, well, and also Jane Curtin did television. Right. I mean, she did uh, two well, sitcoms. And there and therein hangs a possible answer because what we're trying to figure out in this episode is why. Why was this incredible explosion of really good you know, a highbrow to lowbrow film comedy in the first decade of this century, and now we're struggling to come up with some movies that made us laugh even half as hard as as those films. And I mean, well, well I, I mean, we did devolve or devolve into the raunchy comedy stuff, or whatever. Which well, I mean, I saw which, Porky's when I was sixteen back in eighty one. Some which people like raunchy. a lot. Some, I mean, some people don't. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just feels like you just couldn't think of anything, could you? Right. Just <laughs> like through. Th- but I can't even think of a great raunchy comedy. But I and I've noticed that more and more stand up acts are more more raunchy than they more used to be. More blue, as they used to say. Well, it's not that I'm offended or whatever, but it's like when I think, when you brought up He's Robin so Williams, <laughs> I'm thinking, in fact, whenever I would watch him, I think, my God, this this man is brilliant. The way he was able to go from subject to subject to subject to subject, so fast, so quick, and it, it was obvious there was just this wealth of knowledge in his brain and it was just like busting out and he just he had, to, had to get it out or his brain was going to explode and kind I, of thing I would make it a point if I found out he was on a talk show like yeah. uh, oh, oh my God. Letterman or any of the shows I would make it a point to watch it yeah. just right. and he was yeah. the only one I yeah. ever felt but see, that see I would way. do that but I would also do it for Rodney Dangerfield who was oh, as, oh, as, yes. as down and dirty as they got lowbrow I mean below lowbrow and yet those you see those things on YouTube of you know 11 minutes of Rodney on Carson and they're hysterical yeah the funny but Rodney Dangerfield was always best after he did his his bit and then sat down and would talk to yeah. Carson right. his bits were <laughs> kind of the same because then it would go on for another half an hour you know yeah. <laughs> I had a very bad childhood Johnny very bad childhood so alright so why is this it could listen it could just be that this is cyclical we talked about and I think possible. you guys are absolutely right in saying that the n- number of comedies, Billy Wilder aside, from the 50s and 60s, in America at least, there were very few, and then it sort of bounced back a little bit in the early 70s, especially in the late 70s, early 80s. So maybe we're just going through a down cycle. But let's talk about some of the possible reasons for this. The first possible reason for it is that we're all old guys. 
So maybe if we had seen Animal House or Airplane or Meatballs or Caddyshack or those films, if I'd seen them when I was, you know, 54, which I am now instead of 15, maybe I wouldn't... Uh, I don't know. I've talked to some was... younger people about Animal House, for example, and they don't really think it's that funny. Interesting. Well, I could see where people might even find Animal House a little offensive. Oh, well, there's... there's, there's I mean... Yeah. That's, that goes without saying, Mike. Exactly. The, with the I Me mean, Too movement. The politically... The political incorrectness the whole thing of about, all of these films. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, basically date raping a 14-year-old. Yes, Tom Hulse. You're right, in Animal House. <laughs> it's not yeah. really that funny yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. At the time, we did, we thought it was funny. So, so one possible answer, then, is it's a that... It's generational. Right, is that it's not just that... But, but generations usually don't appreciate each other's humor, as you said at the beginning, Mike. But maybe <coughs> it's, yeah, maybe it's that but I think there's, less, there's less that you can be funny about with permission these days. So I that's think there a are just less reason. comedies being made, too. I think there's just more and more energy going into animated films. And, I mean, the whole comic book movie has exploded. Mm -hmm. And that, I see, if you ask me what my answer is, I think it's because... You know, even 10 years ago, I mean, you know, you all, everyone knows the history that, you know, before Godfather and Jaws and Star Wars, you know, no one even thought about box office that much unless you broke a record. Then it all became about opening weekend and domestic gross, but it was domestic gross, domestic gross, domestic gross. Yeah. In the last decade, perhaps not coincidentally, it's become about worldwide gross. Yes. And, you know, what kind of film would be harder oh, to the, sell? The action movies, the comic book movies do unbelievable business worldwide. So, right. And so reason number two that perhaps there are no great live action comedies anymore is because Hollywood is, you know, it's a dead market for Hollywood. Well, that's true because just in the last three weeks, two movies have gone mass marketing uh, comedies. Book Smart and Late Night with uh, Emma Thompson. The, the right, Minnie Kaling's film. Yeah. Well, she wrote it. She didn't direct it. Yeah. And both of them have not done well. And they really had high hopes, I think, for Late Night. They even platformed it. They opened it in New York and L.A. first, had their good reviews. And it's a pretty good movie. It's not, it's not book smart, but it is, it's a fairly good movie. They were hoping to push Emma Thompson for yeah, an Oscar she nomination. SNL, she hosted it. Right. She's doing tons of publicity. People don't want to want to see it. Hmm, so maybe it's not a global phenomenon. Maybe people don't want to see that kind of comedy here. Forget about in Europe or Asia or Africa. Also, as far as rom-coms are concerned, I think more and more the audience for rom-com wants to just stay home and stream it instead. Yeah. And, and more and more and more and more rom-coms are are going directly to, to a place like right? Netflix, Netflix, which actually has had a few very good rom-coms just in the last year. And and so we come to reason number three, possible reason number three, which is the rise of Netflix and Hulu and and Amazon and all the other streaming services, and that films like that. I mean, I find myself doing that if I have limited time and money. I'm Ooh. not gonna I'm not gonna spend it unless. It's got great reviews to see a live comedy because that'll play just as well on my screen at home. Whereas if Black Panther's out, I gotta see that on a big screen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, going back to what I said before, too, I mean, just as an example, uh, Netflix had set it up with Zoe Deutsch, Glenn Powell, Tay Diggs, and Lucy Liu. It's a very good classic, classic oriented rom com. What film? Set it up. 
Yeah, it's, it was on Netflix. Oh. oh, went right to Netflix. To all the boys I've loved before, which was based on a book. That's a very good teen rom com with Lana Condor and Noah Centiano. Hmm. And just recently, they opened on Netflix. Always be my my maybe, which is excellent. Right, right, right. With Ali Wong and Randall Park. Because right, because that's a really good reason. Because a film like a film like Black Panther has to be on a big screen. Yeah. Right. But uh, rom coms don't have to. But rom coms don't have to be. Not. So that's that's definitely another possible. Um, answer. Um, I should also add that um, it's not as easy going to a movie. Uh, I know it's gotten so expensive. It's gotten so expensive, movie. and they're closing theaters. Yes. Here in New York, uh, they they closed the uh, 86th Street East Theater. And the Paris uh, might And the Paris is going to close. What? Be, the Paris I'll might be closed. I'll chain myself to the door. Are you kidding? Uh, but I can understand it. it it's it's the, They've let it go. It's, the seats aren't as good. Um, I was speaking to an elderly woman. <laughs> from my gym and she said you know everybody has reserved seats but the, the numbers are so small it's like everybody with the walkers it's a scene out of the producers trying to for find for those of you out there don't know the Paris Theater is a theater in Manhattan that's often used for premieres mm, right yes. up Central and Park and it's been there for but, how yeah. many years? Um, 1948 oh, yeah. it opened and it's the last single screen theater in New York wow wow that's incredible but I'm surprised it hasn't closed earlier because they can't afford a single screen theater yes and I'm going to add, and I'm going to add reason four to that argument is that they're getting a lot of competition because, so for example, I find it fascinating that the best talent in Saturday Night Live that's come out in the last ten years, which is mostly female, yeah. which is Amy Poehler, which is Tina Fey, which is Kristen yeah. Wiig, Amy Brian Rudolph, people like that, and and their films don't work. But I have never seen an episode of Thirty Rock or Parks and Rec. Or even for the guys like Andy Samberg and other uh, in Will Forte, or an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine, or BoJack Horseman, you know that I haven't laughed at. Well, you can so, say that Bridesmaids worked. I mean, yes, well, definitely. I mean, Bridesmaids is. is yeah. I actually like Bridesmaids a tiny, tiny bit better than Spy, maybe, but it's 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 close. But yeah, maybe all the good SNL talent is going to TV now because you know in the '80s, if you went to TV, that meant you were admitting, you know, you were doing a guest yeah. shot on Love Boat or Fantasy <laughs> Island or Murder She Wrote. You we're done. Well, we're a lot over. of a lot of the, the comedy writers are saying to themselves, you know what? With especially because of the emergence of something like Netflix, they're saying, you know what? All the work I have to put into doing a feature film, right? And then it's just if I've got one shot. If I get a series, yeah, that's going to go on for years if it's successful and or, make more money. Or I can get a series on something like Netflix or whatever, where I have a lot more freedom than I do with network TV. It's, I, it's like writing for right. a feature film, but it's a series. You know, and the day that Meryl Streep signs on to season two of Big Little Lies, you know, the game is up. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to really worry about not just comedies, but, you know, live action movies in mm -hmm. general with all the economics that Mike was talking about. I mean, uh, I don't know. But, I mean, the funniest stuff I've seen in this decade has almost all been on television. I mean, the good place. You guys watch The Good Place? I, no. haven't, I haven't been watching. I watched the first I episode. It, it left me cold, but I, I am with it. It's the I'm gonna go back. comedy I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to I'm going to live by that. Have show. you now? Have you watched Fleabag? No, but I, I'm, that's it's next on my brilliant. list. Brilliant. Yeah. I have to say, I watched the first episode and I did not like it. I, I did not. I did not like the whole talking to the camera bit at all. Uh -huh. It really annoyed me. Okay. Well, if, and by the end, I was. I just said to myself. This person's a jerk. I don't care. I'll give you another example. Did you guys see um, 
you know, A.D. Bryant is always like, you know, third runner up on, you know, talented S behind Kate McKinnon and Cecily Strong. But she did that. Uh, the show on with, Hulu? Yeah. A, I have a thrill, which was I hear it's great. I don't have Hulu. It's so good. <laughs> it's so smart and so funny. And she's wonderful in it. And you're like, where has she been hiding all this time? You know, <laughs> besides playing Sarah Sanders, that's all they let her do. And now. She's uh, leaving, so she, AD's got nothing to do. So, but here we are. We spent the last five minutes talking about great TV. We have no trouble coming up with great TV shows that are beautifully written, long form, as John was saying. That you know, because now you have your chance, place to expand your ideas and your yes. palette and a big canvas. And but we're we're hard pressed. Did you guys have anything else that really made you like laugh out loud in this entire decade? No. Isn't that interesting? Was, oh, well, there was, I mean, there were... All right, break it down, John, go. Uh, I mean, there were movies that I liked, comedies that I liked, but I'm not, I, I can't, there are only a few that we can, I think I can agree, like something like Spy, I say, but that was brilliant. And she hasn't been as brilliant in a comedy no. since no. Spy. No, but because of the writing. And, and, I, 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 and I keep going to them. Oh, God, that thing with the puppets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was interesting on paper. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a good idea. Um, no, and I like The Heat, too, the one with Sandra Bullock. That was pretty good. Yeah. That was before Spy. Right. That, but that, that, that was, was pretty... I, I will give you that. That was pretty good. Um, but, you know, again, take out Melissa McCarthy and Amy Schumer. I know you got... I mean, I, I like Trainwreck. Amy Schumer, I mean, I watched her stand-up, and I don't get it. I, I, I really feel that might be a generational thing. I feel the same way about Louis C.K., I well, don't well, get it. <laughs> but, I, but I think she's... But but none of those people have really made, except for Melissa McCarthy and, if you want to argue, Amy Schumer, mm -hmm. have made a successful transition. It used True. to be that's what you went. You made your bones on TV. You did your Mork and Mindy. And then, you know, you got had, got through Popeye. And then did a couple of movies. And then started doing really good stuff, like Robin Williams. Yeah. Did. So, um... I, Tina Fey's been trying. I mean, Tina Fey's movies... Are, are, and Amy Poehler, I mean... Parks and Rec is the loveliest, sweetest, yeah, funniest a good show. show, and her movies are just awful. And the movies they do together are awful. Yeah, you know, which is hard to fathom. Although I kind of like the one they did as where they were sisters. I can't. Well, it was not yeah, it, called sisters. I think it was called sisters. It was okay. She did Mean Girls, and nothing else has been is nearly as good. Right. But Except mean, but, but the fact that Mean Girls though really isn't that funny. It's right. more more of a dramedy or whatever. But I, I mean, can again. I can. I mean, they, they are so mean to each other. <laughs> but not exactly inaccurate, unfortunately. But I could sit down and watch almost, pick out at random, almost episode of, any episode of 30 Rock. And, oh, yeah. And, and laugh and laugh and laugh. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, uh, there's, of course, there's one other possible reason. <laughs> and maybe just things aren't that funny anymore. I don't know. There's some, I mean... During the 30s, I mean, we've got some great true. comedy. Yeah. Great Escape is comedy. No, that's true. And the 40s, and we had World War, we had World War Two, and and during that time, you know, you had um, some of Preston Sturges's best, right. uh, the Palm Beach Story, 1942, and His Girl Friday, in 1940, and and um, yeah, no, and uh, and so many later on, the Hepburn Tracy, uh, Adam's yeah. Rib, one of the funniest films yeah. ever made. Yeah. Well, and and the, even the, those films in the OOs that we were talking about, you know, you had 9-11, and then you had Iraq and Afghanistan, yeah. and, 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 you know, the, the financial crash in 08. I mean, so, yeah, you would think that in troubled times, in the past, the formula has always been that comedy helps us out of troubled times. But Maybe people are going to start reading enough. 
I was hoping as the English teacher that you weren't going to say that, but I mean, I think that comedy, and that ties in with what we were saying before, comedy that depends on words. Yeah is just not doing that well. Not just because it, it's hard to translate into other languages so it doesn't do well in the foreign market, but even Which here. Which is probably why we've seen the rise of the action comedy. Yeah. Right. I mean, and there have been some good ones, but yes, we are seeing them more and more. Um, yeah, people just, the idea of sitting down and reading a book for pleasure has become almost entirely alien, not just to the, to the 15-year-olds I teach, but to their parents as well. Oh, I'm know? sure. I mean, because we're all plugged in now and everyone's got, I mean, everyone's, you know... I'll have parents, you know, on their phone talking to me saying, I don't know why my kid doesn't read anymore. But it, 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 <laughs> it's like, um. it is funny, but I, there's still also that generational thing. In acting class, this was about 10 years ago, I did a scene from The Sunshine Boys, which I'm not that crazy about. I'm generally not crazy about Neil Simon's place. But um, 40 years we've been doing this act. He always says, come in. Now he says, enter. But I, we did the scene and... It was dead in uh, class. I don't think you were in that class, yeah. John. It was literally not a smile in that in that entire class. And then somebody did a scene from Death of a Salesman that got more chuckles <laughs> than than Stan. And because my it was scene. done so poorly. I mean, when it's no, done right, we there's nothing to laugh at. Arthur Miller. That's always been my problem well, with Arthur Miller. That's the man true. has no humor at all. That's that's true too. <laughs> a little bit in the price, but um, Very, yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, I was just thinking, this must be, and they were all younger people. They were all people at least get it. 20 and 30 years younger. I don't happen to think it's that funny either. I, I'm going to make... A, there, is, there are a few moments, few moments that are funny. I am going to make a prediction. I don't think you'll ever see another Neil Simon revival on Broadway. Because and he if, doesn't age well. Right, and if you'd said that 30 years ago, people would have been like, my God, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? He's the king of Broadway. The only thing that's funny of his still today is the TV show, The Odd Couple. Yes. Which... You do know that he didn't get paid for that. No, oh, ow. <laughs> no, he signed away his rights when he sold the movie rights oh. for both uh, The Odd Couple and Barefoot in the Park. This is why you get a good agent, and he didn't have a good one. I he didn't get a penny for that show. I don't think he was hurting for money. He wasn't hurting, but I think it was just the idea. That was one of the most successful yeah. things you, he ever did, yeah. and he didn't get a penny for it. Do you think Mel Brooks ages well? Do you think if you watch Young Frankenstein or the producers of Blazing Saddles? I mean, well, let's I, those those three are his best yes. movies, and I think they have aged well. Yeah, producers definitely. I mean, un except un for the sexism. Unfortunately, the, uh, it works. Though. Unfortunately, much of Blazing Saddles is still very relevant. Yeah, because it's yeah. all it's all playing on race. Yeah, right. Although Brooks says he couldn't make it today. Although, yeah. although uh, young Frankenstein, I'm, I can see why some younger people might not get it because it they, is, mean, cause they don't know the horror genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If especially if, if if you haven't seen some of the Frankenstein movies, you're just not going to get you're it. You're not going to get it. You're not. It's not going to be as funny to you. Right, and then when he especially got into genre, you know, first with High Anxiety and doing Hitchcock, which uh, which is hit and miss. There, oh, I, yeah, high I laughed at high anxiety. There yeah, were, it's yeah, so it's uneven. There yeah. was some good, and same with history of the world, and same you know doing epic films and uh, space balls with sci-fi, and then he just like fell off the edge of the world, and so did Woody Allen right around the same time. But those were never pure comedies. Well, know, uh, the last except the earlier early the movies. last really really funny Woody Allen movie was uh, Deconstructing Harry, and that was 20 which was years twenty years ago, ago yeah, ninety seven. Right. Yeah, because although a lot of people would say. 
that wasn't funny, but I, oh. I mean, I, I thought it was. I thought that was hysterical. Do you still laugh, do you still laugh at Sleeper? Yes. And uh, Bananas and uh, Take the Money and Run? Definitely Love and, uh, lo- love and Death. I think that's that one is brilliant. I just think of the, that great scene in Stardust Memories where the aliens come down at the end. They're like, we love your movies, especially the early They're funny ones, this, right? Yes. And <laughs> when that movie came out, people hated it. Yeah, Stardust well, Memories. Because, yeah. I, I always kind of liked it. I do like I it. I do, too. I, yeah. But uh, it was basically, people were offended that they, basically they thought the audience was being insulted Which for they, liking Woody Allen He always denied that, but they, oh, they kind of course. were. Oh, of course. It was there. It was so, there. all right. So let's let's cast into the future, then. Do you, do you there's no, we don't have a crystal ball, um, but is... What do you see as the future of film comedy? Is is there any way this is going to turn around? Is there going to be a backlash against it? Or is it going to be a genre... Backlash against what? There's nothing out there. I'm What I'm seeing is that there is a bigger and bigger audience for rom-coms streaming. Interesting. Because a lot of the audience that want to see rom-coms would prefer to just stay home. Yeah. And watch a movie because oh well I can just watch this in my pajamas or or because I mean going out on a date to go see a movie now can be super expensive and you know and uncomfortable and you have to get a reserved seat you might sit next to somebody you don't like so maybe we just we just have to expand I mean all we've ever talked about in our our twelve episodes together is movies mostly movies that we've seen in the theater. I mean, the only episode seven when we talked about uh, other side of the well, you saw other side of the Wells film. No, I saw it in with, the theater. No, I saw it with you. Oh, right, no, you saw I it. suffered with the two of you. <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the idea of, I mean, look, it's like vinyl records; they'll never go away. There will always be movie theaters. There will always be people going to movie theaters. They will. They're never going to die. It's never going to be just in a museum. But and it fact, is a completely different experience. I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, what if I, mean, I, I, I generally, agree. generally, I think seeing a movie in a theater is a better experience. And I would argue with two genres in particular, especially with horror and with comedy. Yeah. Because you so feed off the reactions oh, of yeah. everybody around you. I mean, that's to the, true. To this day, if I, there's a movie I really, really love, I'll, and if it comes back into the theater, I'll go see it. Two, oh, sure. Two weeks ago, the the Quad Theater is having a, a celebration of Pauline Kael. On her hundredth birthday, of movies that she championed for the most part, and I went to see Nashville, which I just totally, totally love. And seeing it on at home is 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 a lesser experience than seeing it even at the Quad, which doesn't have the biggest screen in the world. Yeah, no, I. I, but I remember, remember the good old days when there used to be feuds, blood feuds among film critics. I was because yeah. Yeah, wow. when I was at Columbia, I was studying with Andrew. Well, that, was a, that was a that was and, a famous feud. And yes, he, and he openly referred to her as the Wicked Witch of the West. I know. And I generally <laughs> agreed with Saris. I did too. I mean, as I'm far not as hers, as far as his opinion in movies. I agreed with her sometimes, sometimes yeah. not. She was a better writer. Right. than My Saris. take on Kel was that not as good a critic, much better writer. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's yes. absolutely true. But, you know, in 20 years, are people going to be having that? I mean, who do we have now to argue about? A.O. Scott, you know, who's a very good writer and a good critic and a lovely guy. He came to my class at BAM a couple of times. Oh. Although, dirty little secret, A.O. Scott, I'm telling everyone that you love AI. All right, there, I, it's out there now. I knew that. that. I don't think that's a secret. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. I knew that. All right. Because God, I hated that movie. Oh, but that's so did I. Oh. Yeah. oh, boy. But um, anyway, so... 
I, yeah, maybe we just have to, especially when it comes to comedy, which works better on a small screen than almost any other major genre, if it's constructed well, that maybe maybe this is the also, end of... Also, of, it's, of, it's become so expensive to make a movie now, and they've got to make their money back, and it's and the movies that are making the money on the screens are the comic book movies and the, the right. action the movies. The more stuff blowing up and the less yeah. dialogue, the better off we are, yeah. I, uh, but even the action movies aren't doing that well. Apparently, Shaft Part Four, or whatever it is, not is well, tanking. I mean, well, <laughs> please. Uh, the only reason I'd go is to see Richard Roundtree again and to hear the theme song. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, and there's nothing coming up. Are there any comedies coming up that are that people are looking forward to? I don't. Uh, uh, you know, because we're hitting the end of the decade in uh, in six months. Not and, uh, that I. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so usually, and after the summer, we'll get into the fall, and that's when the so-called serious dramas come out and everything. Right. Because Oscar does not like comedies. No. no. This we know. And so maybe you know, maybe twenty, you know, maybe thirty years from now, the people who are doing a, a vintage sound like podcast will be talking about ah oh, the great days of the teens when you had those brilliant television shows and those great streaming movies and series on you know on. Uh, on Netflix and Hulu, so maybe we may be witnessing. I said we're never going to witness the death of film in a theater, but no. we may be witnessing the slow demise. There are definitely of, fewer just straight comedies. Right. You've got the action comedy, the comic book movies, and the rise of the dramedy. Right. There are a lot more dramas yeah. being made. Those were never made, say, thirty years ago. And um, and thank God for Pixar because they're you know they're keeping animated comedy going. Yeah. Um, because all Disney's doing is is live actioning all of their great animated films, which is just you know really horrifying. I mean, mm. to do Aladdin and Lion King within a month of each other is just you that's know, called. I don't have any ideas. Well, and <laughs> hence Toy Story Four, which uh, just came mm. and got a got a pretty mediocre review. Did some it? of the yeah. some of the reviews have been very good. Really, I just, I just heard a review in NPR. Yeah, but you, you, very, you very guys positive. saw three, right? I saw yes. three. What I didn't. Per- what a perfect ending to that series. Yeah. Um, well, that's what everyone perfect. is. That's that's what uh, even younger people I've seen who were very young when they saw that have said to me, "Why are they making another one? It was perfect the way they." We ended said that it. about Indiana Jones four. You know, because in in, in three yeah. in uh, in last the way, Crusade, yeah, the way three, they and ride into the sun. They literally yeah. ride off into the yeah. sunset. I, refu- I refuse to see four. I just it was wouldn't see it. So bad. Even seeing Kate Blanchett devoured by by ants was not worth it. I would almost pay for that, but not quite. So I'm not, not a big, you and I disagree about Kate Blanchett, but um, uh, yeah. So maybe because of all of these factors that we've mentioned, so to, to sort of sum up, it could be just the fact that John Michael and I are older, and that you know our tastes are not in tune with what's but, out but there. On the other hand, I love the comedian John Mulaney. He's brilliant. I think he's brilliant, brilliant. and he's thirty something. Yep. Sorry. And um, and <laughs> Hannah Gadsby. Uh, oh yeah, well she's in a. That's not even comedy. I don't know. She's what, in a category that's a whole genre all by so. itself. Yeah, yeah she's, she's brilliant. brilliant. But but yeah. you know, but if you take each decade, film has always been evolving in different ways. or Whatever you go back to, like the the especially the late fifties, that's when there was so much emphasis on getting the big. Big big blockbuster because they were competing with TV. Right, the widescreen. They had to get some, they had to get a specific reason for people to get out and go to the movies again. And yet the smaller films during that time were are the better. ones that I remember. I mean, I mean, the, the the perfect year to think about that is fifty nine. Absolutely. I mean, I know you were gonna. Yeah, I'd still see rather see Anatomy of a Murder than Ben Hur. Yeah, oh so, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Or some like it hot. Huh? Right. Or so, North by Northwest. Although you could call that a big movie. 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm hesitant to, you know, it's always, you always feel... How did Ben-Hur win anyway? I don't know. He already had two Oscars. He didn't need a third. By the way, I kind of love the silent one. Have you guys seen the silent one recently? No. I've never seen the whole oh. thing because I it was... On a big screen, it's really good. Is it? Because it doesn't have the really bad Charlton Heston dialogue, but it does have the chariot race, which they took, which Wyler took a lot almost of shot pe- for shot. I know. Yeah. A lot of people have said the original one and the, the chariot race is better. It has more energy. Because you could do anything with the cameras because it was 1925, yeah. I think. But yeah, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other. We have to someday do a silent a silent film thing. I'm I'm campaigning for a silent film episode. So our ideas are that a we are just it's a generational thing, as Michael said, and we just are not in tune with movies that may turn out to be classics 20 years from now. We don't know. Another reason is. The competition that they face with Netflix and with television, and the chance for a comic artist to do, you know, a multi-part series like Shrill, like Aidy Bryant did with that. Yeah. Instead of trying, if you had tried to fit Shrill into a two-hour movie, it would have been pretty bad. But as a six-episode arc, it's wonderful. Um, also, uh, you know, the, the global market is that of all the genres That's that become played, much more important, now. right? Of all the genres that play poorly in the global market, comedy is probably the worst. Yeah. Especially the kind of comedy that we're talking yeah. about that we love based on verbal, you know, based on yeah. great writing, based on great situations, setups, punchlines, boom. So that, that doesn't play well in Kuala Lumpur. So it could be that or I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that it's cyclical. But I think our conclusion, unless you guys want to disagree, is that, you know, we're witnessing it'll, it'll never disappear. But we're witnessing sort of the end of the genre that we would call live-action theatrical film comedy. But go go see Booksmart. Go see Booksmart. Totally go. <laughs> but honestly, my, if you if I saw Booksmart on my forty-six, I don't have a big TV, like a forty-six-inch TV. Um, if I saw it at home, I, would I really miss anything aside from the audience? Sharing audience, the, audience. the sharing and laughter. Yeah. Of course, when I saw it, there were only six people there, and I was there the first night. I saw it on Father's Day. I saw it last Sunday, and it was um, at a two o'clock show, and it was pretty crowded. So I think it. it's it's getting, uh, you know, at least in certain areas, it's it's getting like a reputation, like oh, maybe we should see this. I, I think it may turn out to be a cult movie. Like, I hope so. Like Big Lebowski, right? That kind of comedy. Well, not maybe not the same kind. Well, nothing's in that class. No, but, okay. But, but I, I, <laughs> which you know, they're showing that for a week at Film Forum. <gasps> Yeah. Missy and uh, my daughter and I went to see um, uh, at, see it at Lebowski Fest. Three hundred people reciting every single line of the film. We've never had more <laughs> more fun in a movie theater in my life. It was awesome. <laughs> and you know, I remember I remember walking out of Lebowski it was ninety eight and saying, "This is really good," but it wasn't Fargo. Well, because Fargo seemed to have a heft that Lebowski. Well, I didn't. still think Fargo is is the many best people, film. Many people do. And then they kind of lost me for a while with O Brother and... Uh, yeah, well, they, they're not but, always perfect, but they're always worth watching. Oh, my God. Uh, the color always. Means, which is what I call the... There are certain directors that have lifetime tickets. I mean, um, the, the... Well, if we're going to be talking about the Coen Brothers, I mean, when we go back to streaming, and there are some parts of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs that are hilarious. Yeah. But I think that, but I would not I, a comedy. No, I'm it's so, not a well because it has different stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first the story, first the first story is hilarious, absolutely hilarious. When when a cowboy gets his wings, 
Um, I, but I do see. I did see it at home, and I wish so I'd I had the chance to see it on a, on a because of those Western vistas. Yeah, and, I know, wish I had to. I think I would have liked. It, yeah. I think I would have liked it better if I'd seen it at the theater. Yeah, uh, hit and miss. But, yeah, but more and more people have big, huge TVs at home. Yeah, I know. Well, but again, and I think Michael, you, still, you, you but, hit it on the head. As you said about the, the the rapport with an audience, right, seeing exactly. a, seeing a really great laugh out loud comedy. I mean, I remember when going to see Tootsie. Hmm. And by the end of that movie, the audience was just roaring. Right. Absolutely roaring. And it's just rare. No, and I had that experience with, as I said, with Airplane, with, you know, no. I, you know I was 50, 15, so Caddyshack was hilarious to me. And I have sort of a personal story about Airplane because uh, it was playing on TV shortly after I had a very bad breakup. Mm. And it really helped me because it was a comedy. And but the thing is, but the thing, but the thing is, because the main character, the whole thing is about him pining for for this, this lost love relationship. And it made me laugh so much because I was able to relate to that. I ha- also have a personal <laughs> anecdote about Airplane. When it came out in the theaters, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I went with my cl- old college friend, and uh, we were both 25 at the time. And it was a very younger, much younger audience. We were the only two who laughed at the Ethel Merman thing. <laughs> the only two in the audience. That's when we realized, oh, we're old. <laughs> what did she sing? I forget. Uh, everything's coming up right. roses. You'll gypsy. be swell. You'll be great. <laughs> but we were the only ones. And I, 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 she I, is still funny. Shirley, we're not kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, don't call me Shirley. There you go. But yeah, by the way, there is, I someone has finally picked up that long dormant torch um, on TBS, I think. Um, Rashida Jones, who was in uh, Parks and Rec, um, has a series, I think it's over now, called Angie Tribeca. I've watched a couple show. times. It's pretty funny. The first season is, yeah. it's that kind of airplane taking things literally kind of humor. Kind of, yeah. Second season kind of went downhill, but the first season of recommendation here if you can find it Angie Tribeca is the first they, time they in- never did anything as good as Airplane the first, the first the police first, squad was yes, uh, the first, squad. The naked, first gun, naked yeah. gun is is hilarious and then they, the, other, the other two were pretty funny the other, they're pretty funny but not, not, not as good nearly as, the first. as good yeah. especially yeah. John Haslam oh right and Ricardo Mandelbaum talking to Mr. Papsmere I mean what could be better than that I mean best character name ever <laughs> and Reggie Jackson and oh my god it's oh, funny god. though plus O.J. Simpson playing a guy named Nordberg so but it, it is it is funny though trying to watch to say he's very funny in it I know. 50s and 60s movies with Leslie Nielsen playing it so straight I know just can't take him seriously after <laughs> But, I mean, he made off like a bandit. I mean, he became a big movie star at the age of 64. How often does that happen? So when I, when I was talking with people and friends about this, a lot of people said, well, maybe things aren't, just aren't that funny anymore. There's, not, there's a lot less to laugh about. But I agree with you guys. And my thought was, no, that's just the opposite. Comedy's flourished when things have been tough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that. But the other ideas are all valid. And, you know, I, you'd never want to be the person standing over the grave saying, we are declaring the death of, you know, live action no. film, theatrical no, 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 film no. comedy. You don't want to be that cranky old guy. No. So, and I, think, I, don't, I don't really think that. I, I, think, don't, I think it's just that they're just... I think it's a lot of it is driven by market, and therefore there are less comedies being made because they don't make as much money. Yeah. But the market is never going to go back to being. It's always going to be global now. So I don't yeah. know if that's. But gonna they'll change. still they'll still be 
art films. They'll yes. still be the films oh, yeah. like Book Smart, like Late Night, that aren't for sort of fly international. Under the radar. Yeah, radar, yeah. And they'll still be made. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. So it's just and the and I, as I said before, the emergence of people of comedies being made directly for something yeah. like Netflix. Netflix. Right. Yeah, so maybe we just Sorry, have to... Sorry, Steven Spielberg, but they're valid. <laughs> yeah, I know, seriously. What was that about? Is he kidding? I yeah. mean, no, it just sounded like a cranky old man. Old and, man, yeah. And as I said... Doesn't you know, want things to change. And with, I mentioned in one episode, you know, if he's so worried about uh, about big screen films, he should have made a much better version of Ready Player One, which was a brilliant book and a god-awful movie. I heard. Yeah, god-awful yeah, I, yeah, movie. I, I, I watched it. it. I, it's, it's bad. It's bad. So he should worry about his own backyard before he starts criticizing, you know, quite all. Although I will be, doing, I uh, will be interested in his new version of West Side Story. Because I, yeah. I didn't like the original that much. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, the but, first one, it's it's the, it's the music that makes. Yeah, the movie and but really. neither not and neither did most of the creative people behind the musical. They no. didn't like it either. No, I know. Except the fact they made money. Right, and, and <laughs> finally, finally. But I mean, there's one aspect of that movie that always struck me as being very odd because they they made a lot of effort to be able to shoot that movie on location in New York City. Where it was supposed to be happening, yet every single shot looks like it was made in a pristine a studio. studio. I know. <laughs> Looked like German Expressionism. Yes, yeah, exactly. it, it did. <laughs> I can't. I, but listen, and I'm, I'm someone who doesn't know thing one about choreography, but I love the dancing in that. The uh, dance. The oh yeah. The, the, yeah. the choreography is yeah. very, very good. Yeah. But the fact that everybody, and I mean everybody, was dubbed in that movie. Yeah, I know. Marnie Nixon played every every single character. Well, Rita Marino, I think just one song was dubbed. I like that. really. I, kill your I, yes. the, I think <laughs> it's just America. She was dubbed for. I was under the impression that she was dubbed in for most of it. No, I think it's just one oh, song. Okay. But I, you know, I could be wrong. I mean, because yeah. not only that, every time you look up something about West Side Story about who did what and what was made and what exactly survives from Jerome Robbins and everything, mm-hmm. you see like five different, you know. Because I know Marino. I know like, Marino. Besides, uh, I mean, not, uh, Marnie Nixon dubbed, besides Natalie Wood, I know she dubbed some of, uh, she said in her autobiography. Richard Bamer, too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, all, they're all dubbed. The truth revealed. And then, of course, and then, of course, that, you know, the great... Uh, she had to go down a few octaves, but she pulled it off. The, Marnie Nixon. Dubbed. And the great Greek... Uh, Puerto Rican, uh, George. Listen, George Shakira shows up in uh, the Young Girls of Rochefort at the beginning of the sequel to Cherbourg. So he's in much, he's in a Demi musical, so he's okay in my book. His only other movie, I think. I know. <laughs> All right, let's not beat up on poor George George Shakira. So the the maybe not we're witnessing not the death of that kind of film comedy, but a metamorphosis. It changes yes. into something. I think that's a much better way. To different do it. that you know will may not be maybe hard for, harder for us as older people to recognize, but you know I'm sure people thirty years from now will still be watching I'm only stuff. Thirty nine. What do you what do you keep saying that for? Exactly. <laughs> base eight, but uh, we're base twelve. So um, we uh, we conclude with um, I just want to once again give another shout out of love and admiration to my friend Hillary. Brower, who's um, South Mountain, uh, I was mentioning last time, played at South by Southwest, was the uh, feature film at the Band Cinema Fest at Brooklyn Academy of Music, is now playing again. I'm going to see it on Sunday, finally. I'm so excited. Got a ticket, because it was sold out last time, and hopefully we'll get herself a distribution deal. She is wonderful. Bam is one of my favorite places to see films. It's lovely. I I really love going there. Yep. 
And uh, so move to New York, everybody. It's really inexpensive, and everyone's so nice and friendly, so come on over. Um, Most people are nice and friendly. Not everybody. So has, you guys have any idea for necrology music? We still, that's the only thing I find this podcast to be we lacking. S- we still have to music. talk about a couple people who left us. I know, that's why, mm-hmm. but we need a setup. We need oh, a necrology okay. music intro. You know, we need John Legend da, singing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Subtle, but effective. <laughs> It's perfect curmudgeon. <laughs> All right, so uh, we begin with Franco Zeffirelli, of course. Yes. Not a fan. Not a, me either. i got to tell you, though, if the only thing he ever did was the Romeo and Juliet from 68. That Have I, you seen it lately? Yes. In fact, I just taught Romeo really? and Juliet. My students actually like that better than the DiCaprio, Claire Danes, Baz Luhrmann one from 97. I, I didn't see that, because Romeo and Juliet is my least favorite Shakespearean play. Well, but, but you know, it... The Baz Luhrmann is a Baz Luhrmann film, yeah. and it has much more in common with Moulin Rouge than it does with another Shakespearean tragedy, yeah. and that's okay, I like Baz Luhrmann, but, um, but Romeo and Juliet, the 68, to cast people so young, instead of, what was it, Leslie Howard and Norma Shearer? Norma Shearer, yeah, <laughs> that, that, was, oh, God. That, that one is a dilly. <laughs> so, what were oh, they oh thinking? I missed a segue opportunity, we could have gone from West Side Story into Romeo and Juliet. Yes, right, but, um, um, but that was my first date. Uh, at the Paris Theater, there were. Were there any suicides? There was uh, 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 <laughs> the Leslie Howard version. No, the, uh, <laughs> the, the Leonard. Uh, what was his name? Great Whiting. actor, Whiting. Yeah, and uh, what's her name? Uh, Olivia Brazen Hussey. Yeah, the, the the two great stars. That's right. Who reappeared in the Godard Olivia, movie uh, Olivia years Hussey later. Showed, shows up. Shows up in uh, Lost Horizon. The right, but, no, but she was, but uh, she was great. And Dancing when she's four months pregnant. You, it really gets a sense of the play. I mean, I, I put it in my top five film versions of Shakespeare. Well, I... I don't care for it. I don't care for it either. Right, and 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 I don't like... I just I, don't think Zephyr Lee was a good director. I've never been able to get through his um, Taming of the Shrew with the Burtons. Uh, the the couple of scenes in that play where the, where Kate and uh, Petruchio go at it, they are pretty good, but otherwise... Yeah, and his Hamlet. With, we with argued Mel about Gibson. this last time. Did I we? don't think it's so bad. Oh, I, I think the way he cuts it, it's like, I'm in love with you, Mel. Well, clearly. I mean, <laughs> no, he started out as, as Visconti's right-hand man in more ways than one. Well, but, um, um, and, also, and also and a, and a miserable person. Oh, horrible. I yeah. know. Tell him, tell him the last temptation story. Well, uh, the, I forget exactly what he said, but he was criticizing the last temptation of Christ. And using rather anti-Semitic... Um, yeah, it's damn Jews in Hollywood who yeah. made this. And he also called for Scorsese to be excommunicated. And, and he'd never seen it. Right, of course. And he, yeah, and he ended up being a conservative member of parliament. Very, in Italy very right-wing. He must have been financing the people who were protesting the movie when I went to go see it. I will say, yeah. And I said, and I said yeah. to one of them, she was like shoving literature in my hand mm-hmm. as I was walking in the theater. And throwing holy and water. Is, and I said, I said, you know, Jesus would watch the movie first before he condemned it. She had nothing to say to me. Yeah. One movie he made that I liked, um, La Traviata. Oh, which I, I've never seen. Yeah. I get a feeling he, he knows his way around operas because supposedly all my opera friends said, "Oh, the productions he made." Oh, didn't wasn't it his Aida that sort of reigned at the Met for all yeah. those years? Yeah, no, yeah. brilliant opera director, no doubt. I mean, creative. Yeah, I, I, I like the Romeo, and I even like the Mel Gibson Hamlet a little oh, bit. Mm-hmm. It's better than the Branagh, anyway, Mister Shakespeare. Actually, I, I prefer the Branagh. Wow, all four and a half uncut hours. Granted, oh, granted, there are some, me, man. but there's some good things in that. 
And that, you mean like him swinging from a chandelier at the end? Well, maybe You mean not like that. Billy, you know, Billy Crystal or uh, Robin Williams? Or On the other hand... Jack Lemmon showing up? They Mr. Went, Shakespeare, they were, what do you think of the Lawrence Olivia version? Um... It really is not very good. It's very, but I do like to be or not to be. I don't. I never show full movies to my class. I always show. I'll show yeah. to be or not to be from five different, and we'll talk about the choices the directors made. Mm-hmm. And so, to be or not to be is pretty nicely done there. I, I would agree. I don't. I think it's an it was an overrated movie. Yes. I remember being being reading best, all the time. It was brilliant. And best picture the And then when I and when, when I finally saw it when it was showing on PBS yeah, one night, I, I, afterwards it's kind of like, huh. Yeah, well, when we do alternative Oscars for the 40s, we'll have to put something else in 1948. I like the scene, though, with Ophelia going... Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, it has, it has drowning. moments. It you know has what moments. I, you know what I and love? And I think Gene Simmons is very good is the, um, yeah. They use the Olivier to be or not to be in a really horrible um, Arnold Schwarzenegger film, The Last Action Hero, about the kid who dreams himself onto the screen, a la Buster Keaton, but... He, but the opening of the film, yeah. he, and then he imagines Schwarzenegger as Hamlet, and that's that's two minutes of absolute hilariousness. If you watch the first five minutes of the movie, everybody, and then turn it off because it's terrible. But because oh, Buster, yeah. Buster Keaton did, I'm um, hopping onto the screen with Sherlock Jr. back in 1924. So, and Woody Allen did it with uh, with Purple Rose. But you know, you get Arnold, you know, Claudius, you killed my father. Big mistake, you know? And then you see him with a detonator outside, and he's like, to be or not to be. And he hits the detonator, and Elsinore blows up, and he looks at the camera and says, not to be. <laughs> so it's, it's, it, that, just for that, it's really funny. But yeah, that's, that's, I'm not a big fan of the Olivier. I mean, I, I think by default, the Zeffirelli is probably my, my favorite Hamlet, although I don't like, really like any of them. Wow. The Brannig is just... I mean, I love the Hall of Mirrors. I there love, are some uh, good things, and actually, yeah, some, I like I the player yeah. King and Queen. Yeah. Uh, I thought, oh, Heston can act. Yeah, but four, <laughs> four and a half hours just to get It was to too long. Him doing Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean. And I thought Derek Jacoby was brilliant. Always. Really, well, really, you guys know really my brilliant. Favorite, my favorite Shakespeare adaptation. Well, then By far, also, is Henry V. And he, Brannig's Henry V. I was going to say, if you're going to talk about how there was that version done with... Richard Chamberlain? No, 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 no. With Kyle MacLachlan and... Oh, yes. And on Ethan Hawke. Oh, Hawk. yeah, the, uh, the uh, Michael Almereta one. From, yeah. Uh, from, yeah. Well, we, 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 we discussed that on a previous... Odd. And I show, I show scenes, some scenes from that work. Um, yeah. You show scenes from It was a nice idea. For example, the... Um, you, know you're, you know that it's a real problem, though, when you start caring more about Claudius than yes. Hamlet. That's true. But <laughs> and you're rooting for him. Well, but to be a not to be is done in a blockbuster. Remember, he's a filmmaker, and yeah. so he does the uh, the mousetrap scene as a film to get Claudius's reaction rather than as a staged play. But you see him walking down the action aisle, and it's done in voiceover. You know, to be or not to be, and all the signs say action, 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 action. That's a brilliant little touch, and mm-hmm. my students notice that. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what we're trying to get him to do the whole play. Right. So moments, but yeah, I I agree. I mean, Ethan Hawke. Gets outacted by just about everybody, and Michael, you wanted to talk about Sylvia Miles. Well, yeah, Why I not? mean, uh, she actually was a uh, lived down the block from me, huh. and I would see her occasionally. I actually met her once when I was doing, um, an, uh, I was an election official, and she came to vote. She's a registered Democrat. Um, Have you been to Russia recently? Just asking. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very funny. But, uh, yeah, Sylvie Miles uh, did die at 94. She was uh, very big in the Andy Warhol, some of his films. She has the rather odd distinction of having two Oscar nominations for films in which she appeared for only six and a half minutes or less. <laughs> Midnight Cowboy and uh, Farewell, My Lovely. Wow. Small parts. She's very, very good in both of them. Yes, yeah, she um, is. Midnight Cowboy little piece of trivia was that part was turned down by Shelley Winters mm. and she said it was too small a role and then after Sylvia Miles got an Oscar nomination she said in her memoir I, I never did that again yep she <laughs> jumped at Poseidon Adventure yeah well no but she she would do <laughs> swim Shirley swim but she would do really <laughs> tiny parts after that there's got to be a morning after John there's got to be because she really you know regretted it because that you know, on paper it looked like not much, but you know she is big. Sylvia Miles, the pictures that got small. Sylvia Miles made you know made yeah, a, a lot out of that. Unmistakable presence. She can be. She could be very very funny too. Right. I, uh, she Devil, when which she played Meryl I'm, Streep's mother. Right. Which uh, God Meryl do more comedies please, because that is a funny. I mean she's funny in it. The movie is uneven. Yeah. But yeah, Meryl, whenever Meryl was on, oh, it's Roseanne Barr's yeah, first and movie, Willis and Roseanne Barr, no, Bruce Willis wasn't in it, um, uh, Ed Begley Jr. Oh, good lord. Yeah. What a falling down. Uh, but, but Streep was this, you know, romantic author from hell, and she was very, very funny in it, and Sylvia Miles plays the mother from hell, and she was actually, I saw her once on the stage in uh, Night of the Iguana with Richard Chamberlain and Dorothy McGuire, and she held it. Yeah, a real presence. I mean, I was telling you guys that I, I showed uh, Crossing Delancey to some people right. um, in the honor of its 30th anniversary, and um, she's wonderful in that. Yeah. In that small part as the, the matchmaker. But she's also known for, and I have to say, going to an opening of an envelope. I mean, she's known for just showing up at any kind of party. And there was the, when uh, John Simon called her the world's famous gate crasher and she threw a plate of food at him yes. at one of the parties. See, they don't have feuds like that anymore. Now it's all done by Twitter. And so John Simon was a vicious critic. An actor's equity... And mostly black. An actor's yes. equity... Well, he said that he was going to charge her for the, for the dry cleaning. An actor's equity offered to uh, pay for it if she would do it once a week. Interesting. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. But I... Every time I would go to some kind of screening or something, she'd be there. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> you. It was it was sort of weird. I would always see her, and she was always dressed in black and very the big glasses. Looking. And, yep. Yeah, big glasses. But anyway, she died at ninety four. So and, and um, we and I'll end the necrology with um, the person who really is the reason why I'm sitting here, and that's my dad, who passed away at eighty three couple of weeks ago but I you know he took me to among my first movies he took me to see uh, I think mom may, may have taken me to see Jungle Book when I was two and Yellow Submarine when I was three but I remember my first real movie experience I remember with him was going to see The Man Who Would Be King when oh. I was ten yeah and I was completely transported well, that was a good movie by that what a, uh, Mike and you know we've talked here I this. could see how that be a movie too for a ten year old boy oh my god have. And I, I, and I got into Kipling, you know, not exactly politically correct nowadays, but no. um, like Man's Burton and all that stuff. They but, never show it. 
I never it's see it. So well, that's a talk about a film that needs to be on a yeah. big screen. Yeah. And but you I, guys talked about the fact that how John Huston at his age made that film. Yeah. Was just just beyond imagining. I, you know, he took me to see. I remember he took me to see some movie, and um, they were. They said, "Hey, everyone, stick around. We have a free preview. If everyone stays, you can see it." And Dad was like, "Okay, and let's 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 see what it is." And I was eleven. It turned out to be The Omen. Oh wow! Oh god! And I didn't sleep for a month. It's <laughs> one of the very <laughs> you, few horror movies I like. But like my favorite, my favorite movie memory of my father is going to. There used to be in Staten Island. There were a couple of beautiful old movie theaters. I mean, movie palaces oh, there. Sorry. Now there, but when I was growing up there, there was a theater called the Lane down on Newdorp Lane that was not from that era. It was Art Deco, but perfectly Art Deco. The building's still there. I don't know what it. What, the, but I remember him taking me to see Gallipoli, there ah. in '81, and there were four other people there. And it was I, not a big hit, especially in Staten. The art house in Staten Island is very much a contradiction in terms, which is why the lane went out of business fairly oh. quickly. But it's still there. I might, if I ever hit the lottery, that's what I'm doing. I'm buying the lane. I'm restoring it and opening it, even if it's just the three of us there. Can I? I don't care. I'll work there. Okay, there we go. I, I, I'm for nothing. Because I, I would love to work in an art house. So, um, you know, I, my interest in film sort of took off in college, but I really owe my, my interest and awareness of, of film as an art form to my dad. So among the many things I have to thank my father for, I thank you for that one, Dad. Um, hope they're showing TCM up there because, um, you know, that's all he ever watched. Um, so our... He and I are in perfect agreement. <laughs> there you go. That's, about, so that's my life. Our July episode, we're going to revive our popular alternate Oscars series, of which we've done one. So I don't know if it will now qualify as a series. And uh, our, our the first time we did it, we focused on the 1980s and films that we thought should have won Best Picture instead of the films that did. In fact, we I think we came to the conclusion that they got it right once right. with Platoon in 86. Um, although I could have voted for Blue Velvet, but or that wasn't going to win. Or, or Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. So, but we are going to apply that. What, what do we call the OOs? The aughts? The noughts? What do we... I don't know. I think know. we should call them know. naughties. That the would naughties. be really the naughties the or the oughties. But, you know, that was a, sort of an interesting period in film. So we are going to go year by year through the OOs and uh, offer our... Um, picks for what should have won Best Picture instead of the many awful films. So we're going from 2000 to 2009. Yeah, 2009. We'll start with we'll start with Memento over Gladiator, and we'll go from Gladiator. Wow. And we'll we'll hopefully have a big argument about there will be blood versus no country. What you want to just a beautiful mind. Oh please, Chicago. Oh, oh, Lord ooh, of the Rings! Ouch! ouch. Mm. Some people love Lord of the Rings. No, no, well, I mean, and I'm a, I'm a, sci I'm not a fantasy guy. I'm a sci-fi guy. Crash! But like, oh God! What I mean? One of the most offensive films ever made. I mean, we're gonna have fun with this one. And of course, uh. we, and that is all a big setup for. Um, it's July 26th, what, release of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we've been dying for, a return to form from you-know-who. So our August episode will be about that film and how it... The talk at Cannes can was very positive. Yeah, it, very positive, and mm. I'm excited about it. I thought it was going to be just an exploitative Manson family. That's what I was afraid bath, of. And that's no. just sort of a background no. No. thing. So Mr. Tarantino gets the royal treatment in our August episode. So... Um, 
five nines and a four production is what we are, and now you got your first hint anywhere. Look for it closely about why we are five nines and a four. I uh, want to thank Melissa for her production help, as always. No thanks to Mama Sue, because once again, we are at Vintage Stand Studios South. Sued, Where we sir. do research and special effects. Research and special effects. <laughs> <laughs> We're like the Skywalker Ranch of 14th Street. That's, That's us. <laughs> and um, Gabby for the awesome Vintage Sand logo, which people love. And please check out our website, www.vintagesand.com. Leave us your feedback, suggestions for new episodes. Uh, We're always listening, and uh, we're getting some interest. As I said last time, uh, I think over 150 people listened to the last. Yeah. Really? I'm I'm pleasantly surprised, too, but damn it, we're interested. Um, And we love imposing our taste on other people, because why why have taste otherwise? That's exactly (laughs) right. Right? That's why I became a teacher. So, as we always say in closing, happy watching to you all, and may your favorite films always be streaming.